Hey, John Lim here. This is episode 289. I can't believe on, I'm, I'm on 289 already. But I have a returning guest, uh, Alyssa Carpenter. She's a TEDx speaker, host of Humanize Your Workplace podcast, learning facilitator, and author of How to Listen and Be Heard, Inclusive Conversations at Work, which will be released on Monday, May 11th. You can pre-order it now. Congratulations, Alyssa. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much. It's so funny to hear you say author. I don't think it's officially sunk in, which is a little bit crazy. That has not <laughs> sunk in for me well, yet. Well, you are. I've seen the proof on social media, and I see it on Amazon. Also, Alyssa, uh, right now, you also have the distinction of being my only four-peak guest on the podcast. So you were on, and I looked this up. We, I, we first spoke on episode 141. We spoke last year on 226, where when you were actually in the process of finishing up the book, and we talked about pitching it to a publisher, and I had you on about a month ago on 282 to talk about how to make the transition to work at home, which a lot of us are still doing right now. And so I feel like this is kind of a natural progression because today we're going to focus on your book, and now that it's May... I know that a lot of companies and states are looking to start reopening and, you know, people are having those conversations about bringing employees back to the office space. So I really feel like your book is so timely, even though you didn't write it anticipating a pandemic. I feel like it's coming out at this perfect time because these conversations are going to be more important than ever. Oh, yeah, it's. It's such an interesting time, I think, with and especially with different states doing different things in terms yeah. of coming back. It's so I mean, there's so much emotion, I think, involved in it and the human factor and, and things that we just really need to focus on and may not have in the past. So it's a huge transition. Yeah. And before we begin, I, I feel I don't have many guests on the show anymore, but I do feel like since we're still in these unpredictable uncertain times, how are you doing? I am hanging in there. Um, it's so funny because we'll text back and forth. It's yes. I feel like each day is different, right? You know, one day I, you know, I got this. This is great, and then the next day it's please let me the out of the house. My favorite, my favorite post of yours is the stomping of the elephants. Oh, <laughs> and I feel like. It's like my kids have this sensor that I'm on a call or being interviewed or something, and then they come in. Um, yeah, but it's. And I don't know how about, you know, about yourself, but it just feels like one day is awesome. And the next day you're like, please let me oh. out of my house. And, and you know, yeah. it, no, it's, I, I'll have that. Alyssa, I will have that on the same day sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I get it. Uh, and I know it's, it's tough. And many of our sisters are still uh, in what quarantine, self-isolating at home, whatever you want to call it. But um, let's talk about your book. And I and I want to refer our listeners back. If you want to hear about tips about managing the work and the personal life while you're at home, do check out 282. I'll have it linked in the write-up for this episode. But today we're going to focus on your book. And as uh, employers are starting to have those conversations. And I've heard from friends in different industries, everywhere from construction to finance to what have you. And then, you know, obviously the restaurant industry is going to look very different. You know, they've been kind of ongoing, but a lot of places are having these conversations now. So let's start with this. I, I love the title of the book, How to Listen and Be Heard. Can you share just briefly what the premise of the book is and, and why you wrote it? Sure. So there's this human element that I think that we often forget, you know, about work and 
the importance of diversity and inclusion and bringing in people of different races and genders, ethnicities and generations and thought. And the book itself is an easy read, being that it's 16 chapters. Each is kind of a standalone. One's about toxic colleagues. Another is about writing professional emails or even a glossary of terms. And there's 41 stories in there, too, from just amazing and brave individuals who share either about being marginalized or how they've created these inclusive workspaces. And I want this to be not only a guide, but something that you can reference with tangible phrases to even use, questions to ask, um, to be able to bring it to life. And at the end of the book, there's even a Humanize Your Workplace pledge, which you can use as an individual, as a team, and as an organization to really be more inclusive. Oh, that's fantastic. I, that's so cool that you have a glossary of terms <laughs> and, and phrases. Uh, are there maybe one or two that you could share that uh, might be interesting for our listeners to know, or even if they've heard it before, they might not know what the exact definition is? Yeah, and even um, to find the words diversity and inclusion as, you know, diversity being that there's different people in a room, whether it's race, ethnicity, and gender. Inclusion is bringing those individuals to the table and giving them a mm. voice. And then belonging is actually them feeling empowered and really feeling heard and feeling valued, more of an internal belief. And I, I have things in there about um, what race is, what ethnicity is, and gender, and cisgender, and, you know, all these terms that sometimes we might be afraid to ask what they right, are. And it's, right. and it's just the start, right? There's all these terms are always evolving and changing, but I wanted to give people at least something to start with, to think, okay, there's more than what I might know out there, and I want to, you know, start getting to know this and, and learn more. You know, what else is out there, and how are people different and unique, and what are they bringing to the table? I also have to highlight you gave a phenomenal TEDx where I, you share a lot of your own personal experiences in this uh, topic. So I, I do encourage our listeners to check that out. I'll have it linked in the uh, episode write up. But let's transition now. So as we're in May and as we approach the summertime, this is where, as you've mentioned, a lot of states, a lot of companies, a lot of employers are starting to have those conversations about what it's gonna look like to bring their employees back. And obviously, as you mentioned, a lot of states and a lot of companies are doing very different things, but this is a conversation that is starting now that I'm seeing from friends and colleagues. And, and it sounds like you've had a lot of those conversations as well. And on the one hand, I'm hearing some excitement from uh, people, especially people who are parents like yourself, who are who have been trying to manage, you know, schooling their kids at home with the the distance learning, but at the same time handling their work, which is not easy. And and some of my friends are saying, I cannot wait to go back to the <laughs> office. The other end of the spectrum, though is hesitation and a lot of trepidation about is it going to be safe? How am I going to manage this while my kids are still at home? That kind of thing. So talk, can you share some ways in which employees and employers can have those conversations, be productive, mm -hmm. and still have everyone be heard, as, as the title of your book says? 
Yeah, and I love that you brought up kind of the different varying pieces of the spectrum. And people are in different phases of that spectrum at different points in the day or in that moment. Yeah. And just because you might want to leave your house and not feel like you're constantly being pulled by your kids or you know something happening, it doesn't mean that you want to go and feel unsafe. I, I think those are two you know, very different things. You might want to leave your house, but you still want to assure that you're going to be in a safe space. And I was Absolutely. Um, reading, and it, it's, and I think it's, it's tough. I was reading an article the other day and just somebody mentioned, you know, things have changed in terms of hopefully, you know, less people have gotten sick, you know, hopefully less people have passed away, but there is no cure. There is no vaccine. So we still need to be hyper aware that just because we've been in our homes doesn't mean that has that part um, has changed. So the importance of companies and organizations really communicating how they're going to keep their employees safe if they're going back to work is so important because especially if people are no longer able to collect unemployment because now they have their job and they're going right. back, that they're making that conscious choice, right, to go in and are maybe internalizing thinking, am I going and risking my health and my family's health to be able to support our mortgage and, you know, do all these things. It's, it's such an emotional toll um, that's going through so many people right now as they're weighing the pros and cons of all their options. And honestly, whether it's having a town hall, a one-on-one -on -one conversation as a supervisor with your employees, what are you concerned about? What can I help with? What should we be communicating? Being real about it and being vulnerable, even as you as a leader individual saying, I'm, I'm a little you know, hesitant or this is what I'm feeling, but I'm, you know, assured that we will have spaces where we can work, where we are six feet apart and right, you know, we're going to be right. having our temperature check. Like all these things are so important and we can't assume that people think that they will be safe because they're supposed to hold up to CDC guidelines. It's so all, funny. I didn't share my guidelines. questions ahead of time, but you're already uh, anticipating ahead. It's like, it's like you're reading my screen. Yes. Are, you, are you, are you spying on my screen? Alyssa? I, don't know what I, you mean. I am outside of your window. <laughs> Social distancing. No, I think that's fantastic. In fact, that is the next question I wanted to ask. So obviously for a while at least, and maybe for the long haul, going back to an office environment is going to look so different mm -hmm. to prior the, the pandemic. And as you mentioned, you know, offices are, are now burdened with the challenge of making the environment safe and their employees secure. So you are going to see things like temperature checks, and I'm hearing that more and more often. Uh, requirements of social distancing, masks. I've even heard things such as, you know, the the communal kitchen is going to be completely different. Like you will not be sharing coffee out of a coffee pot, that kind Even of the thing. Bathroom. Think about that, right? You know, you have stalls yeah. right next to each other. You have. Um, you know, your sink, you're washing your hands, you're, I mean, all of these things, it's like even listing what are the C CDC guidelines and how are we doing that in each and every aspect of our company, like thinking restroom, thinking doorknobs, like all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wanted to approach this from two ways. So uh, first, let's talk about the responsibility of an employer. So in terms of communication, uh, what would you say is kind of a uh, if not ideal, but at least in the right direction, because a lot of us are writing the book, the playbook as we're going along. What do you see as kind of a, a structure such that the communications about what the protocols will be can be disseminated effectively, but also in a way that reinforces the, the message that we're doing this to create a safe environment? 
Yeah. And I love that question. And I think now's the time to over communicate and do everything possible. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the town hall meetings. It is a video from your CFO, somebody even creating, you know, walking you through the building. This is what this is going to look like. This is what's going to happen. So people aren't alarmed, you know, when they come in and see these changes and these X's on the floor and places to stand. It's those town halls, those team meetings, those one-on-one, creating a manual, really um, the policies that have changed, have an internal drive where people can look and reference this information, signage everywhere. It's your you want to communicate as much as possible without frightening the employees, but at the same time, knowing that they are safe and you have thought of everything. Um, right. You don't want them to have to you know, think of, okay, if I actually went left instead of right, what would happen if I ran into somebody in the hallway? And you know, you, how often are you cleaning? Are you giving, are there going to be hand sanitizers everywhere? And how are the doorknobs safe? Like really think through and do a walkthrough as a company of, you know, you walk in the door, what is the experience going to be like? And what do employees encounter each and every day? And I I don't think doing like a behind the scenes video walkthrough um, is a bad idea. I think right. showing them what to experience, what they will experience when they walk in will will put people at ease. They can choose to watch it or not, um, but you're putting it and blasting it on all these different channels and emails and texts and whatever you have to make sure people are getting that information in a way that they can receive it. And let's take this from the employee perspective. So the employee who's maybe been managing the work at home, but also managing their kids with school. And there's probably that mixture, as we've talked about, that mixture of I want to get out of the house, but at the same time, I'm really scared. I'm I'm very mm-hmm. hesitant about going back to an office environment. How can, I mean, what are some tips that you have that maybe you can draw from your book in ways that they can effectively communicate that to either their manager or to the, even to the leadership, the C-level, how can these difficult conversations be managed better? I think the interesting part about now is it's almost an easier way to practice having a difficult conversation because you're not the Mm. only one in that situation. So for example, you know, when I was, when I first had my my kids, I was one of the only people who had kids and asking for a flexible schedule or having those conversations were very difficult because I was asking something very different and unique from what everybody has. Now we know that the kids are home. We know probably some states like won't have camps or there's no way, you know, these kids are home. So asking for accommodations or sharing that this is something that you're facing is a great way to ease yourself in to potentially other difficult conversations. Companies are going to have to think about this differently because there's no other choice. Um, yep. I've seen a lot of companies even shift, you know, do a little bit of research and, you know, come prepare for those conversations. And a lot of companies have, instead of you working five days a week in that office, they're alternating just because they have too many staff that can't be in the same Right, state. right. I'm you seeing know, that as well. Yeah. And, yeah, and even saying like if you're, you and your spouse are a significant other, maybe you're alternating days with each other. Like see if there's a way that you can help create a solution to what you're looking for. So they're not, so you're not asking for something and you don't know how to solve it in some type of way, you know, do a little bit of research and see what your options are um, to make that happen. And let's talk about uh, something that's a little uncomfortable. So let's say an employer, you know, really wants to get that office back open. They want the employee to come in. The employee is a little bit hesitant. What are some conflict resolution tips, especially now? Are there some things from your book that may help 
facilitate that conversation. Not even necessarily getting to an easy solution because there might not be, but at least laying the groundwork so that the so, so that the conversation can hear both sides and at least do so in a way that makes both sides comfortable expressing you know what their what their needs, what their wants, and what their uh, priorities are. Yeah, and I and even though you can't be face to face in person right now, I always think these, and I talk a lot about this in the book. A virtual face to face is important. Um, you need to be able to look at somebody, I think, um, and have this conversation. Mm, yes, there are, and there are going to be. And it's so tough. And we say oftentimes, and I mentioned in the book, in terms of re removing emotions out of it or keeping things personal or keeping things professional and not personal. And that's so hard right now because things are so personal. Right, um, right. Literally with your, with your health and your family and all these things. But um, being able to have these conversations, I think, is crucial. But when we're talking to the, your supervisor or your leader or it's coming from the top down, we need to understand that people are coming from different experiences. Um, things are happening in different points in time that we need to address. And it will be difficult to make the justification that somebody needs to come in if they were able to effectively do their job at home. In, in um, fact, that's that's kind of the running joke, right? That this last couple of months have been the real test case for yeah. whether or not you really need to go into an office with so many people doing their jobs virtually. Uh, that that actually leads me to, to my next question, which I want to ask. And one of the things that I really admire about you, Alyssa, is long before you, know, you wrote the this book long before you know you gave a great TEDx on this. You talked about really just little things on how to be appreciative and communicative. Everything from like sending thank you notes after your you know you you have an interview, uh, things like that that I, I think are tried and true. And yet it's good to have those reminders every couple of years, even with you know with new generations that are coming into the workplace and uh, obviously uh, those who've been in the workplace for a while. It's good to have that reminder. So we're now seeing, I think, more and more a hybrid of as you said, work at home, virtual conversations. So we're probably going to see that at a lot of workplaces. So that can be tough. You know, if you're, if you're used to having conversations in person, you might not be as comfortable having conversations over video or vice versa. Uh, what are some tips that you have for making sure that those conversations are productive and positive as you balance those different ways of communicating? Because now we've gone from office you know, face to face, maybe mm -hmm. phone calls, mostly emails, but now we've got these additional ways of communicating that are ne necessary. Yeah. And I am always a fan of what, going back to your thank you note and things like that. I think that's really, really important right now. And even asking people outright, how do you like to seek praise? Because I would rather have a thank you mm. note than publicly oh, that's, <laughs> say my I, name. I love it. that question. How do you like to seek praise? because we're all wired very differently when it comes to that. And it's not a question that you hear very often. Because mm -mm. if you want to thank somebody, it's one thing to thank them, but it's another to thank them in a way that they they truly appreciate it. So do, using paperless posts for e-cards or actually mailing them a card or sending a small gift certificate or giving them a shout out at a meeting. I was doing a virtual training the other day with a client and you know at the beginning they were shouting out thank yous for people and acknowledging, I know this is a really busy time for you with, with year end based on their fiscal year. I appreciate you being here. Those things, although subtle and may seem small, are huge because mm -hmm. you have recognized that we are all coming from different places in the organization and have other factors. So saying thank you, I think is, is very crucial. 
But going back to, yeah, and going back to your, you know, other question, asking people to how they like to be communicated with is key. Uh, So we're talking about, you know, difference in communication. And there's a whole chapter in the book about choosing the medium because um, I'm blanking on his name and I don't know why, but it's essentially the medium is the message. So if Mm. I, I default, if I really like email or I like text, I might default to texting you or to emailing you. And if that's not the way that you receive the information, it's a one-way conversation unless you engage. So asking you know, how is the best way to reach you for everyday situations, for emergencies, so we can actually have a conversation that's not just this annoying back and forth email and everything gets lost between the lines with written communication versus oral. Um, you're actually in a space where you're both there, you're both facilitating and and having this reciprocal dialogue. Oh, that, that's fantastic. I love that, that uh, really it, it starts with understanding not only the communication style, but the medium that mm-hmm. is most effective. And I love that. How do you like to receive acknowledgement for for job well done? Because that's that's a question you don't hear very often. So I think that's that's really cool. So we're going to wrap this up. This is a fantastic conversation. Can you tell our listeners about a little bit about a program that you're also launching? Yes, thank you for asking. I am so excited about this. I've been working on this in tandem with the book for several years. It's the Inclusive Workplace Communication Certificate Program. And it goes along with the book, but it really brings it to life. It's a 12-week program. It'll start in June, go all the way to August. It's live sessions weekly on Mondays. If you can't make it live, they're taped. Um, There's workbooks in it. There's practical suggestions and tools each week that you'll leave with and can practice. Um, I wanted, again, even going back to the book, I want it to be something that not only that you read and you think, okay, I'll use this at some point, but you can bring it to life. And that's where the certificate program comes in. And if you're an HR professional, it's 18 PDCs towards recertification for sure. So I'm just, I'm very, very excited to build this community. And where can people find out about the program? Sure. Both the program and the book can be found on my website at notokthatsokcoach.com. Awesome. We'll have that linked in the write-up. So also, if uh, you have a virtual book launch coming out uh, pretty soon, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. And it's so funny when we were asking how I was, just thinking about even acknowledging things that are exciting that are happening and things that are a loss. I think people should also (laughs) acknowledge the losses that you've had um, in terms of things that were changed. But this is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting and different. So on the 19th um, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I I can send you the link to for it's an Eventbrite invitation. Jen Brown, who's awesome um, and wrote about a book on improv and communication, will be moderating and asking questions that are sent in about the book, about everything kind of that's going on. So it'll be very very informal, you know, grab drinks, come hang out, my kids and dog. Um, but it's, I've never done this before. I wrote in a book and then had a book launch, a little in a virtual book launch. So right. I'm excited to see, you know, what this will be. And then, you know, to see people's faces because it'll be via Zoom. Awesome. And it's, is it, is it an open invitation? Yes. Anybody can come. Awesome. Well, I'll have that linked. I'm already registered for it, but I will make sure it's on the write-up. And uh, Alyssa, remind our listeners when the book will be out and where they can get it. Yes, thank you. So if you're looking to really support an independent bookstore, Book Passage is a great bookstore, and they're located in in California. I can give you that information as well. Or for more, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, you can buy that really wherever books are sold. Awesome. That is so great. And Alyssa, how can our listeners connect with you? 
Sure. Um, on my website at notokthatsokcoach.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn um, for, under Alyssa Carpenter. And John knows I love Twitter. So not okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay and, and Twitter. You, you're fantastic on Twitter. And it, and and folks, I'm going to have all of this on the write-up, which is at bemovingforward.com. So links to the book, the website, all the different information that Alyssa has shared with you today. Alyssa, I want to thank you so much for coming on four times on my podcast now to talk about this important topic. And congratulations on your book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, check it out, listeners, bemovingforward.com. Have a great week. Be safe, everyone. I'll be back next week.